You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. Amen. You appreciate that? Yeah, man. That tears me up, that last song. Well, all of them, really. Uh, If you need a handout, throw your hand up. And uh, we will get them to you because you're, there's going to be a lot of notes today. I don't know who preached in the earlier service, but he went a little long. So <laughs> uh, keep your hand up and hopefully they're coming down. Dan, you got them there? You have nothing? Are we out? She, okay. All right. So fight over those last ones from Melissa there. So, all right. Keep your hand up and hopefully... Uh, We'll make more next week. Sorry, folks. Too many of you showing up. <laughs> amen, amen. Um, hey, also, I told this the first service. This uh, message is rated PG-13, PG-13 maybe. Uh, I'll let you decide. We're going to talk about sex a little bit. Not the whole uh, message, but <laughs> some of you guys are bad. Um, but... Uh, you know, so you can, um, I, I have a pen right there that I need to click this thing. If you could bring that to me, not that white one, get the other one, too many pens. Um, while I'm doing that, if you would like your kids to not be in here to hear about sex, and they're in here, we have great kids ministries. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then you can sneak out and go down there, check them in. Or if you want them to hear about sex because you're too scared to talk about it, then, uh, Keep them in here. Again, it's not too much, but, uh, you know, it's Adam and Eve, Garden, Eden, right? So I'm going to pray. If you need to slip out, just say, excuse me, the people next to you, take your kids, and then come on back in. All right, Lord, we pray that you will just do your work here and help us to face your truth. Some of them some really tough truths, especially with today's culture. And I pray that you would just uh, help us to be obedient Christians, to bow, to kneel to your sovereignty and to your word. And Lord, uh, because that is for our best, this for this culture's best too. In Jesus' name, bless us. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. 2016, oh, turn your Bibles to Genesis 2 and verse 4. We're going to get there in a little bit. Um, and if you have, uh, you don't have a Bible, we have a, the blue Bibles in the seat backs in front of you should be there. Um, and uh, it's page 2 in that blue Bible, okay? So we'll be getting there in a, in a, in a wee bit. <clears throat> 2016, Robin and I are in the original, uh, well, we go to this pastor's conference in Springfield, Missouri, but I'm not as excited to see a bunch of pastors as I am to see the Mecca there. Springfield, Missouri, if you know anything about it, it is the Mecca. It's the original Bass Pro Shop. It's like, <laughs> oh, yes. And so we went and kind of ditched the pastors for a little bit, and we're there tooling around Bass Pro Shop, just looking at stuff, just, you know, oh, man, look at this. Oh, isn't this awesome? Look at this boat. Oh, my goodness. And so I, I you know, just checking stuff out. And I went to um, the men's room, and I, I come back, and Robin is talking to some dude, an official-looking dude in a suit. And I'm like, what's this about? And I come over there, and he's talking about getting both of us into paradise, into paradise, paradise. Well, Paradise Point, to be more specific, uh, 
that Bass Pro owns in Hollister, uh, Missouri. And, and, but it's, it's specifically created only for the most discerning Bass Pro customers. Why, thank you. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Sign us up. And so we called our friend Steve and Sue Swatson, who are watching right now in Illinois. We called them up in Illinois and said, hey, you want to go to paradise with us? What? And uh, okay, sign us up. A few months later, we all arrive in paradise. And paradise it was. I mean, there were private pools that you could swim in. There were uh, top shelf restaurants that you could eat in. Beautiful rooms on the shores of beautiful Table Rock Lake, which I had always wanted to fish in. As a kid, I'd always heard about Table Rock Lake, and we're right there on the shore. So we got a fishing guide who took us out in his beautiful bass boat, and we caught a bunch of beautiful bass. See, beautiful bass. And you're like, where's your picture? Well, I, mine, I get, it got lost. Um, so, <laughs> but even with that, it was all going well. We were so happy, uh, you know, it was until something slithered in paradise. The tempter. What do you mean the tempter? The uh, timeshare salesman. Because in order to go to paradise, we had to say we would sit down with the timeshare salesman. And he was the tempter. And no, we didn't bite, although we were very, very tempted. I mean, we went in there saying, we, you know, we know how these things work. We ain't gonna. No, we ain't gonna. Okay, fist bump, fist bump. We ain't gonna. Got in there. I mean, it was hours, hours with this dude. And then he didn't work, so they, they made his boss come in. And I told her, I said, oh, you're the closer. And she got mad at that. But... <laughs> but, I mean, I was on the edge. I was teetering. Robin was just pinching me, pinching me, pinching me. And God bless her for that because we didn't want to. I mean, we did want to bite, but I'm glad we didn't. But that experience with that tempter somehow changed that paradise. And today we're continuing our new series in this amazing book in Genesis that we're calling Bedrock, The Foundations of My Faith and My Family and My Future, because it really is. Genesis is really the foundation of everything, the foundation of you, the foundation of your belief system, the foundation ought to be the foundation of your family and the foundation of your future. And admittedly, Paradise Point, uh, Missouri, wasn't the real paradise, but the real paradise had a tempter too. And you remember Adam and Eve did bite. And we are living out the consequences of a ruined paradise, a paradise that's ruined. For instance, some of you met somebody and you said, oh, he's dreamy. Oh, or she's heavenly, man. She's just awesome. And you got married. This is going to be heaven. This is going to be paradise. But something happened along the way in this room. And now your paradise is a living hellscape. Some of you, you come into this, those doors and you act, some, you even hold hands just to fake us out. But inside your skin is crawling. You had a fight on the way to church and you know you're going to have a fight on the way from church. It's not paradise anymore, it's hell. Or you had kids. <laughs> and they were so sweet and innocent and angelic little things. Oh, these little angels. And now they've turned their angels, but they're fallen angels. And if you know your Bible, a fallen angel is a demon. What happened? What happened? We're not living in paradise anymore. That's what happened. 
And our passage in Genesis 2 showed us the life God wanted for me, the life God had planned for me, created for me, a a paradise life, a a life of dignity, a life of duty, a life of delight. And you're like, John, my life is more hellish than heavenly. Our home is more evil than Eden, more bile than beauty. But I know, I know, John, I'm a Christian, I know that's what heaven's for, so I'm just hanging on till I get there. Well, that's a sucky life. Some of you live sucky lives. I love you, but you live sucky lives. I want to help you today, okay, through God's Word. And, and here's the thing. I want you to get this. You might have to wrap your mind around it. Look, look at this. I can still live the paradise creation outside of the paradise location. I could still live what God intended, even though we live in a fallen world. I could still live the paradise creation, the, the, the uh, dignity, the duty, the delight. I, I, can, I can live that outside of the paradise location. What do you mean? Even after Eden, I can regain, not the location, but my dignity. I can regain the things that God gave in paradise, my my duty. I can regain my delight. I can still live the paradise creation outside of the paradise location. I can live the paradise lifestyle outside of paradise. And it all comes down to the life God wanted for me. I can regain that. You can regain that. You can have the marriage you want. You can you can have the, the identity that you're seeking for. You can. The dignity. And we're going to jump into that. Number one, if you're a note taker, dignity, the person I was meant to be. The person I was meant to be. Now track along here in Genesis. We go to Genesis 1, actually, because I want to give you just some background a little bit. Then God said, let us make man us. Remember, is let us make up. Oh, oh, wait a second. Got to get the right color here. This is always changing on us every time. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. These are speaking to what or hinting to what? Tell me. Trinity of God. He's not talking to the angels or anybody else. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, hey, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth, uh, of all the earth, every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food, and to every beast on of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that, I, that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. Hallelujah. And it was so. And then look at what he says here. I love this. And God saw everything he'd made, and behold, it was what? Very good. Up until this point, he has said, he said, I'm, I made the stars. Man, that's good. It was good. I made the trees, it was good. I made the lands, it was good. I made the seas and the oceans split them, it was good. And here, at the, at the capstone of his creation, he says, it is very good, very good. So write this down, write this down. God impressed himself with his creation of me. God impressed, that's not a big like, look at me, no, no, no. But, but God impressed, it's just Bible. God said, man, those trees, good. Birds, good. Animals, good. Cougars, good. Bears, good. Man, bam, very good. Woo! I outdid myself. That's what he's saying. God impressed himself with his creation of me. And, and you're saying, well, John, I, my dad and mom told me I was a mistake. I don't care what your mom and dad told you. That's, that, or I was born out of wedlock. John, I was, you know, or I'm a product of a rape, man. 
Doesn't matter. If you're a human, God sees you as a creation that is very good. Amen? Now, turn to your neighbor and say, are you human? Do it right now. Are you human? All right. Now say, yes, I am. All right. Now I say, okay, well then you're very good. All right. Some of you probably pick a date out out of this here. <laughs> yeah, if you're a human, God says, hey, you are the top of my creation. You are very good. You're not just good like that bear over there. I like that monkey over there. You are very good. I won't dive down deep into it because Nigel did a great job last week, didn't he? Uh, on the Imago Dei, the, the made in the image of God. That's the Latin, Imago Dei, which just means the fancy way of saying the image of God. We are created in the image of God. No animal is, no plant is. We are the only ones that are. Amen? So, let me say this, though, and, and, and track with me. The, uh, those of you who are struggling with self-image, this is going to help you. Pay attention. Before you know who you are, you have to know whose you are. Before you know who you are, and that's the whole world, trying to, trying to figure out who I am. Why, why is there so much gender dysphoria out there? Why are there so many kids, teenagers, preteens that say, hey, I, I'm trapped in this body. I, I'm, I'm not the right sex. I, my mom made me a certain sex, and the doctor called me a certain sex, but I am not that sex. You see this, I mean, more and more and more. They call it gender dysphoria. Why do you see so much of that? Why do you see folks that are like, well, I, I'm attracted to the same sex type thing? You know, uh, why are there so many teen suicides? And why are so many Christian marriages, some in this room, blowing up? I'll tell you why. People are trying to figure out who they are. But that's not the right question. It's not the right question. That's not the foundational question. Before you know who you are, you need to know whose you are. And when you figure out whose you are, then it settles who you are. Even if you have to take it by faith, amen? We live out in the country, away from all the city lights. Plus, I grew up in the country, and, and uh, I lived in Portsmouth for a while and all, and nothing against you P-Town people, but I, I need my space, and I need no city lights, and I don't like traffic noise and all that stuff, right? And, and, and gunfire, too. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, so we moved out years ago, 22 years ago, something like that. We moved out uh, way out there. We're out there a ways. And we're out in the country. And so I have a shop. I got a barn. I got a shop. I got a house. And uh, I'm out in, in, the, in the shop in my office. I'm working on a sermon or whatever. And then I come out. It's nighttime. And I love those clear nights when you can look up because I don't have the city lights. I'm just looking up and I'm seeing the skies and the stars and oftentimes the moon. And typically I will quote this. Now, I don't always quote it correctly. And this is in the New King James. But I, I'll just walk up and I'll say, when I consider the, your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have ordained. What is man? In the King James it says, that thou art mindful of him. Or the son of man, that thou visitest him. Or the son of man, that you visit him. He says, you have made him a little lower. This is David just being blown away by God's creation. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him, so he's, he's crowned us with glory and with honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. David's like, man, my goodness, sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the air, fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Man, when I, when I see that, I see some of you. Here's, 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 dang it, here's your problem. <laughs> Pretend this is an iPhone. Here's what you're doing. This is, no matter your age, here's what you're doing. You spend most of your time 
Drool, drool. Facebook, kitty videos. What did David do? Lord, our Lord, when I consider the work of your hands, the sun, the moon, the stars, what is man that thou... You know why some of you are screwed up? Because you're in your stupid device. So much, I've got one, I've got one. My phone is a flip phone, and it's on purpose. It's an old man flip phone. And it's a pain in the butt. If you text me, I hate you. Because texting on that thing is sucky. But it also, I realized I was doing that. I was, you know, all the time when it's so easy. And so, you know, you're looking down instead of looking up. When you look up and you, and you get rid of all the distractions, you realize there's a God, there's a creator who created me. What, what is man that I, thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? You've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory. I am crowned with glory. That's what he's saying. And so are you. And those of you who don't know who you are, it's because you don't know whose you are. It's because of that. And, I, and man, just some of you need to throw your iPhone in the trash on the way out of church. We have a revival. Some of you are going to be hovering around the trash can, aren't you? <laughs> well, you scallywags. Dignity, the person I was meant to be. God in, intimately created me in his image. All right, now, there's several places in this message. Some of you will get mad, but that's okay. Because you need to get mad, maybe. Maybe his image, male and female. How many genders would that be? Those two. Not 32. I looked it up online. Depends who you read. 32 or 81 genders. That's a lot of genders. I can't even pronounce half of these. Right, this is only just a little clip of some of them. Bigender, androgynous, and neutral. Atrocious, by gender male and female, gender fluid. They have another one called gender queer. Here's intergender. Demi boy. Don't even know what that is. God says, y'all are so stupid. That's it. Male and female. Now, I know that's not culturally correct. Politically correct. I know that some people are going to call me a hater, but I'm not a hater. You know what this is called? You know what this is called? Science. It's called science, and it's also called Bible. That's what it's called. That's what it is. And I know that some of you are stuck in this because you've got a, maybe a child, or maybe it's you, who are confused, and you're, you know, you're seeing this, and your heart goes out to them. Be very, very careful. I, you, you, should ne- you should never, ever, ever disown a child. Never. Never. No matter what they do. God doesn't disown us, and we screw up all the time. Amen. But neither do you have to agree with them to keep them happy. Male and female, two genders, both represent the image of God. And there are distinctions. There are distinctions in the genders, amen? Male and female, little boys, little girls. Little girls growing up, my two sisters grew up. We lived in a big farmhouse, two-story farmhouse. And they had their Barbies. And they would dress their Barbies up. And they would have one Barbie here and one Barbie here, Barbie chair, Barbie chair, Barbie tea set. Barbies communing with Barbie, they're fellowshipping, they're BFFs, Barbies. That's little girls. What do little boys do? Sneak in the room. <laughs> Grab the Barbies. Sneak out of the room. 
tie the Barbie to dad's handkerchief, throw Barbie out the second floor window. Barbie's a parachutist. And we thought that was cool. And our sister's like, ah, you're going to hell. I say, John, John, but I'm a, and I'm not trying to make, okay. I'm a girl trapped in a boy's body. No, you aren't. You're confused. You are confused. You're being lied to. Hear me. You're being lied to either by yourself, self, Satan, or school. You're being lied to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Psalm. 139, talking to David again. He's talking to God. He's like, man, Lord, you're blowing me away. You've, you made the delicate inner parts of my body, all those delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God is saying, hey, I, I, I made you how I want you to be, and I actually planned your life out before you ever came to pass. And and folks, you need to write this down somewhere. My God doesn't make mistakes. My God doesn't make mistakes. My God doesn't make junk. Amen? My God was really impressed with His creation of me. He was. He took you and formed you and he made you. If he wanted you to be a boy, guess what? He made you a boy. If he wanted you to be a girl, he made you a girl. You say, I don't agree. Okay, but you're not God. But scientists say, say they're not God either. And more and more and more of them are coming out and going, we're doing a whole lot of harm to a generation of kids. Even some folks who say they're LGBTQ. Who say, man, we're, 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 doing, we're going way past what we should go. Back to Genesis. Up until this point, God spoke his creation into existence. He said, let there be light. There was light. Let there be. But, but with humans, God, it says, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, that is pneuma or spirit of life. And then man became a living creature created in the image of God. Purpose. We got purpose. We got emotions. We have souls. We can love choose to love. We are vehicles to reflect his character. Now, <clears throat> I was getting my teeth cleaned uh, last week, and uh, <laughs> this lady was cleaning my teeth. Somehow we got talking. Oh, I was talking to her about, I have a deviated septum because I was on the bad end of some fist fights back in the day before I knew Jesus. And so my nose does this thing, and so I can never hardly breathe out of this side. And so somehow we got on that because she was, you know, blah, 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 and so, and she goes, oh, man, you know, that really changed my life. I had one of those surgeries that you are, you know, going to get. I had one of those, too. And I'm like, oh, really? You know, how, how did it change your life? And she said, well, before I had it, I came into my classroom in grade school, and my name was on the blackboard with ski slope nose underneath it. She said, I used to have a ski slope nose. She said, and then I got my nose broken because I had a deviated septum, and now I don't have a ski slope nose. And I'm like, hallelujah. But... But, 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 some of you, you know, you listen. I want you to listen. It, it, this is going to help some of you. You don't have value because you're beautiful. But those of you in here who are beautiful, you know, and I was going to say you know you are, but most of you women don't. You're like, ow. That's the difference between men and women. 
And then, now, a few of you, you're, you're, you're all about yourself, but most, oh, I'm so fat, oh, I'm so this, oh, I'm so that. There is almost never a guy who says that. We look at the mirror and we go, yeah. <laughs> we never look this way, do we, guys? No. But from here, we can suck it in and make a few things ripple, or else we got that one big ripple, but we say it's muscle. But you ladies, God bless you, that the identity that you have and that you are seeking for is tearing you up. You don't have value because you're beautiful or you're rich or you're smart. You have value because you are created in the image of God. That's your value. Amen? Somebody should say amen to that. So dignity, the person I was meant to be. Secondly, humanity is the capstone of God's creation. <coughs> the capstone. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you need to get your minds right. You're going to be mad at me about this, but you need to deal with it, all right? Too many of you here. I love you. I love you. I love you. You are John Wick. What do you mean, John Wick? John Wick. Florida man kills 77 over dog. If you've seen that movie, you know what it's about. 600,000 human babies die every year at the hands of abortionists, and we barely make a peep. But one puppy gets killed, and you kill 77 people on John Wick. All right? Now, you're like, John, you're, gonna, you're going into bad territory. Don't go there, John. Oh, I'm already there. You don't understand, John. My, my dog is a part of my family. You're saying your wife went into labor and out came the dog? No, of course not. Don't be ridiculous. I'm just saying that, I, I know some of you, some of you, you your, your pet, your animal is like, you, no, it's not technically a part of your family. It's not, it's not, it's not. It's, 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 it's an extension of you. It's a dog or a cat. That's what it is. What, are you saying you don't love animals? I love animals. I eat them every week. <laughs> and we've had dogs and cats. All right, I had a cat that I really liked, Mr. Keaton. He thought he was a dog. He would beat up dogs. He was awesome. He had been declawed, not by us, but he'd been declawed. He didn't know he was de- We called him Mr. Softpaws. He would fight dogs. He'd just go, and the dog's like, ooh. It was awesome. So when Keaton died, I had to have him put down because he got a thing. And I sat there in the stupid truck weeping. Every dog that we've had to put down, I've had to, you know, I've... Now, my son's dog, Coconut, she's still alive, amazingly, because she one day got in my tactical bag that was on my chair in my office out in my shop, and she didn't like to be in there. She wanted to be in the house. The shop has air conditioning, heating, etc., everything but a minibar. <laughs> she decided she was going to make a statement, so she crawled all the way up there and did diarrhea inside my bag. Yeah. Yeah, so my love is the fact that she's not dead. <laughs> but all, all this to say, folks, all right, let's get, let's get biblical. All life is not sacred. Human life is. All life is not sacred. You could call your pets whatever you want to call them, all right? But they're, they're, they, they are not sacred. Their life is not sacred. Human life is sacred. There's a difference. Got that? Say, got it. Good. All right. All emails to pastortom.com. 
dignity, the person I was meant to be. All human life is sacred, must be treat, treated with dignity because we were created in God's image. E- that means every ethnicity. That means every person with a, what do you call them? I got this the wrong word, but whatever. Handicap, right? They, 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 nobody's lower. And, and this thing of quality of life, that's a, that's a sta- that statement is a slippery slope, folks. It is a slippery slope. Euth- euthanasia. <clears throat> Tell our politicians we want assisted dying now. Jeez. This euthanasia, you know what euthanasia means? It's a Greek word, uh, and it means good death. That's what it means. It's a good death. Grandma, you know, she's hanging around. She can't talk anymore. She's in the nursing home. I'm sure she'd be happier with Jesus. Let's just pull the plug. Or little Billy, he was born with a lot of birth defects, and I'm sure he doesn't have a quality of life that he would, you know, and so let's just pull the plug. Euthanasia, mercy killings, assisted suicides, all come from a thought that only some human life has dignity. Some, only some. Canada and Belgium are both experimenting with letting a child choose to die. They call it euthanasia for children or pediatric euthanasia. In other words, and, and by the way, the child can choose, just like it started out with the kids choosing their gender when, and not telling the parents, and then you keep it quiet at school, where do you think it's going to end up? Now the kids, it's, oh, life's not worth living. Oh, oh yeah, I got this short leg. Oh, people make fun of me. Oh, I'm always being, you know, teased and all. Oh, well, it would be better if I died. Well, do you want to talk to a counselor? Okay, all right. And they kill your kid without even asking you. Well, John, that's Belgium and that's Canada. They're crazy, I know, but you know what? They, it trickles down. Canada's north of us. It just trickles down. So how did we get here? We, we bought into the satanic lie that all human life is not sacred. That's exactly how we got here. That we bought into the lie that we're not made in the image of God, that we've just, we're just a random blob of cells and cellulite. And, and, and the, the, the person we were meant to be, though, according to the Word of God, has dignity. No matter who you are, no matter your skin color, no matter where you're at on the uh, uh, in-shape or out-of-shape scale, because we were all made in the image of God. Amen? So, first, to live a life God wanted for you, you've got to get the fact that every human life has dignity because we're made in the image of God. Secondly, duty. The life I was meant to live. So there's a duty. There's a dignity that God gave in the created garden in paradise. There's also a duty. There was a certain life I'm meant to live because we're God's special creation. He has a special work for us to do. At first, here in your blank, I was created to work with and for God. You weren't just created to sit around. Adam wasn't created to sit around the garden and just, you know, eat grapes for eternity. That is not. God gave him a, a dealio to do. Look at this here. There's no bush of the field yet in the land. No small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. There was no man to work the ground. So God was keeping that. uh, And if you're like, okay, I'm confused because I thought this is more the garden plants that needed tilling in the garden, if I understand my Bible. And so the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. There he put the man who he had formed. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Working was not a curse. The curse is now the sweat of our brow that work hurts more. That's part of the curse. To work it and to keep it. Working, creating stuff is in our DNA. I go to, um, usually yearly, Robin and I go to a thing called Care for Pastors. It's a thing they kind of just, you know, put back into pastors. Um, And 
It's down in Florida. It's in the villages. How many of you know where the villages are in Florida? Villages, villages, villages. Okay, yeah, villages. It's a nice house that they have. They put us up in. But it, it drives me insane just watching the other residents of the villages. And I know I'm judging. Don't, don't let me hurt your feelings. But if I do, you need him hurt. Because these dudes, now maybe they do other things, but all I see is the same dude, same time of day, get in his golf cart. And they all got the golf cart. Some are tricked out golf carts. Some are just regular golf carts. They get in the golf cart and they go where? To golf all day and then come back. To me, that's not heaven. That is hell. I despise golf. I despise it with everything in my body. Why, 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 why? Because I am horrible at it. Got me some garage sale golf clubs one time. Went out with Tom Tuttle. He goes, isn't this fun? I'm like, I hate this. Threw him away. So doing that every day of my life forever until I die is horrible. I don't believe that's what God created us for. If you want to golf, golf some. Okay. But, but stop. I believe God wants us to be productive. It's going to taper down, old folks. It's going to taper down. But instead of just giving it up, chucking it all and saying, hey, man, I'm done. Now I'm just ready to lay around. Guess what? You're not going to live long because we were created in our DNA to have a purpose, to create something ourselves. I hope, I've told you this, I hope to God that I die while I'm preaching you people. I do. Now, not today. But, you know, when I'm... Whatever, you're like, how long are you going to work around here? <laughs> as long as I can. Have you seen the stock market? <laughs> but I hope I've got years left in me. And then at the end, I don't want to go out. I really don't. I've told God this. I've seen people, and I'm my, my own dad, you know, went out with cancer and stuff like that. You can't help how you go out. But I want to go out just giving it to you and having a heart attack. <laughs> just like, yeah, trust Jesus. <laughs> That's how I want to go out. I do. I want to be productive right up to the end. Now, we don't always get that. And again, sickness and health issues and stuff like that. But I'm just talking about folks that are like, I just can't wait to retire and do nothing. That's not how we were created. I pastored up in Michigan for five years, north of the big three auto factories. And time and time again, we'd see somebody who worked, you know, 35 years for Ford, 40 years for Chevy. And they had a little cottage up in, up in our area. It was a vacation area. And they would just, oh, they couldn't wait to just come and move to that cottage. And they would get out, they would get their gold watch, and then three weeks later, they're dead. What's that from? I think part of it's from they didn't have anything to live for anymore. I love First Thessalonians 4. Some of you, this should be your favorite verse because this is you, most of you. First Thessalonians 4, verse 11. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Some of you have a rough time with that. Minding your own business, look at this, and working with your hands, just as we instructed you to. So he said, he's telling the church this. He's not telling them to be preachers. <clears throat> He'll call preachers. He's not telling them to be apostles. He'll call apostles. But he's saying, hey, for, for the average church person, here's what I want you to do. Live a quiet life. Mind your own stinking business and work with your hands. Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just for paycheck? No, 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 no. Paycheck. But also, just as we instructed you, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. They're checking you out and they're looking at you and they're like, oh, okay, wow, that guy's a Christian and he's, you know, he does, he follows through, he works hard, he's a hard worker even though we all have an idiot boss. They'll respect the way you live and the paycheck. You won't need to depend on others. Some of you need to memorize that verse. Some of you need to live that verse. Write this down on your sheet. 
My work is sacred. My work is sacred, no matter what your work is. You're like, well, John, of course your work is sacred. I don't know. What does sacred mean? It means set apart. Set apart. That's all it means. Set apart for a purpose. Your work, if you're a believer and you have said, God, I pray that you would, you know, give me the right job, and, and, and God opened up the doors and he gave you a job, and you might not love that job, you might even hate that job, but God gave you that job, your work is sacred. He wants you to do something there. Not necessarily jump up on the desk and say, Jesus is Lord, trust him, you pagans. But to work, to not be a busybody, to work with your hands, to have people who are not believers respect the way you live, and then maybe say, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in that church you say you go to down there. I'm interested in this, this God you're talking about. That's what God is talking about. And you won't, and you won't need to depend on others. My work is sacred. But God didn't just create you to work at the, the shipyard. He did, some of you, or the doctor's office, or, or over at Walmart. Uh, he also created, designed you to work as a part of the body of Christ, the church. Ephesians 2.10, and I have this in the message. I like the way they paraphrase this. It says, no, we didn't make or save ourselves. God does both the making, the creating, and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him, to join him in the work he does. Join him in the work he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, the work we had better be doing. God has planned something for you to do in the body of Christ. Now, I, we're, we don't have time to go there, but Romans 12 is, if you're in a point group, we're going to be rememorizing Romans 12, one, verse 1 and 2. In our last series, it was one of our memory verses, but it really specifically applies to this. It's, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of what he's done for us, that you present your bodies, which means body, soul, spirit, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, holy meaning set apart to God, acceptable meaning pleasing to God. Top shelf, first fruits, best of. I give my best, not my scraplings. Some of us give our scraplings to Jesus, don't we? Give the best of. To, to them, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable act of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might figure out what the will of God is. That's what he says. That's what we're to do. And so we're going to be we're going to be talking about that in our point groups and memorizing it. And that's why some of you can't get no satisfaction. It's because you're not doing spiritually what you were created to do. You're not. You were created by God to do something, to fulfill a purpose in the body, and you're not doing it. How are you going to get satisfaction if that whole spiritual thing is a vacuum? I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you're not doing what a Christian is supposed to be doing. So, okay, John, what, what do I what do? I, what do I do then? What do I do? I, because here, here's, here's what I believe with all my heart. This is a sheep pen, if you will. The Paul uses the analogy. Jesus used the analogy. This is a flock, all right? It is a sheep pen. This is Point Harbor. It is also the local body of Christ. And he is bringing in the people that he wants. If you're here and you're checking out the church, you ought to say, God, is this the church for me? Is this your will? And if it is his will, then you ought to do something while you're here and not sit on your buns. The only impact some of you make in the kingdom of God is the butt prints on your seat every Sunday. And so what, what am I here to do? Because this is the body. There's something for me to do. And I've been gifted for it. I've been created for it. I, I have experience in it, maybe. And then I find that and do it. Some of you have not had spiritual fulfillment because you are takers. You're not givers. 
And I'm not just talking money, but I'm also talking money. I'm talking takers. You come, we feed you, we feed your kids. You burp, you leave. You come, we feed you, we feed your kids. You burp, you leave. You don't do a stinking thing in the body of Christ. You are my deaf ear. Some of you are. I love you, but you're... I went through meningitis, if you don't know, and four months ago almost died. When I woke up from the, the purple haze, I couldn't hear in his ear. Still can't. Got some hearing aids in. But this hearing aid just takes it over to this hearing aid, so it's very confusing because I'm hearing everything in this ear. This ear is attached to my body. I like this ear. I think it's a very attractive ear. It doesn't do squat. It's just hanging on. That's what some of you are doing. I love you. You're my deaf ear. You are. So what do I do, John? What do I do? Well, well, well take action. I've, I've said the same thing to some of you who've been here 20 years. You're still doing nothing. I don't understand it. I, I really don't. Find out where you fit in this body and do what you are here for. Don't just ride a pew to heaven. It's not why you were created. What, what, what? Fill out our connection card. Here, right now. Check, I want to serve, and we'll help you to find a spot. We won't force a spot on you. We'll say, hey, here's some options. It looks like you f- would fit here. would fit there. That'd be awesome. To, well, I don't know where the connection card is. Scan that QR code on the back of your seats in front of you, or you can go to pointharbor.church. I double dog dare you. Now you've got to do it. <laughs> I dare you. Some of you need to do it right now. Right now. I'm waiting. Device. I mean, hey, some of you, you look on your device while I'm preaching, you know, at Facebook and stuff. You could connect right now and start your journey to find your purpose in this church if this is the church God's calling you to. Amen? Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Start fulfilling your purpose that you were created, called, and gifted to do. And then you'll start feeling a bit, a bit of that, that, that spiritual paradise. Because you're doing what God created. You're doing what you're wired for. Does that make sense? All right. Duty. I've been given stewardship over all creation. Over all creation. Genesis 1. Again, we jump back. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said, hey, be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the heaven. And over everything that moves on the earth. Genesis 2.15. In our passage, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, now, can I make a few more of you mad? <laughs> Nowadays we're told it's all about saving the planet. Got to save the planet. Oh, no, we got to save the planet. The planet's going to blow up in 10 years. And then the people that said that 30 years ago are like, well, no, 10 years from now. And then they all buy big, huge mansions right on the ocean. The sea level's rising. Well, why'd you just buy that mansion on the ocean? Somehow this does not make sense to me. So the, and, and they say that people are the problem. Is people the problem? If, people, if more people would just die, then we'd save the planet. That's the thinking of some of them. <clears throat> Maybe some of you. And then we, they just had the thing at Davos. Every year, a bunch of earth firsters fly up there on their private jets. Don't share a ride with anybody else. All fly in their private jets and then try to scheme about how to get us off of fossil fuels. They eat caviar and Kobe beef and and work out strategies to get the rest of us to start to get away from beef and start eating bugs. This is true. Google it. 
So I'll, I'm, no, I'll give up my car when you give up your jet. How about that? Or I'll eat bugs when you quit eating filet mignon. Or no, I won't. I won't eat bugs. <laughs> I've been given stewardship over creation. Creation is not over me. Understand that? And these people have it perverted. They have it. What does perversion mean? It means the, the, the flip side of what was meant to be. They have perverted this thing of, of saving the planet. I'm not, this is not an excuse to trash the planet, to abuse the planet, right? We ought to be stewards, good stewards. Don't throw your trash out of the car on Taylor Road. Right? Don't. Why not? Because we have to pick it up. It blows over here. All the stuff from Walmart parking lot blows over here. It makes the place look crappy. Don't throw your trash out anywhere. Find a trash receptacle. Amen? Is that so hard? No. But quit worshiping the earth while you're at it. Amen? All right. Duty. I was given a spiritual choice. A spiritual choice. What do you mean a spiritual choice? The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And then what did God say? He said, hey... Same thing. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. You're going to croak. Die spiritually. On your sheet, right? That tree equals their choice. That tree, the knowledge of good and evil, that one tree equals their choice. Because people love to talk about free will. Oh, but I got free will. Guess what? No, you don't. Well, yeah, I do. You got free will to choose, you know, McDonald's over Burger King, yes. But you don't have free will to choose Jesus. You don't. You don't have spiritual free will. You are dead in trespasses and in sins. And you're dead because of what Adam and Eve do. We'll look at in chapter number three. There was only one time free will, total free will was actually a thing, and that's here in the garden in this passage. And God says, yo, Adam, I've created everything. I've created everything for you. You can have everything, enjoy everything, just one tree. Leave the one tree alone. You can have the bananas and the peaches and the pears and the grapes and the figs and the blueberries and the coconuts and the apricots, avocados and the blackberries, the boysenberries, the cherries, the clementines, the grapefruit, the lemons and the limes, the pineapples. Just don't have all those. You know, get yourself a blender. Go for it. But that one tree, no. That one tree die. And Adam and Eve, with their free will, chose poorly. And we pay for it. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, sin came into the world through one man. What was his name? Adam. And death through sin. He's talking spiritual death here. So death spread to all men, all of us, because all have sinned. Man fell, died spiritually. No more free will. And now we have what Martin Luther said was the bondage of the will. Our will is bound by sin. We can't choose Jesus without God regenerating us, opening our minds and our hearts, and then we say, yeah, I want Jesus. But we choose him because he first chose us. So, and praise God for that. So how could I live, John, in a paradise creation outside of paradise location if I'm spiritually dead? Excellent question. And that is 2 Corinthians. I love this passage. 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Jesus still in the creating business. Jesus created the first, the Bible says, that everything existed because of him, and he's creating us anew. He has to do that spiritually. Well, how do I get in Christ? Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, 
But the free gift, free gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in Christ. How do I get in Christ? I trust Christ as my Savior. And God brings me to himself, and I choose him. But he's the initiator. I'm the responder. Amen? He's the initiator. I'm the responder in everything. Now, number three, hang on. The marriage I was meant to have, delight. The marriage I was meant to have. Now, folks, we've got to reclaim this. All across this room and in, in, in watching online, all across America and all across the world, I guess, there are folks that are living fake marriages. They're living really pagan by pagan principles, and they're paying the price. Some of you are paying the price. And God says, I, I, I created marriage to be a delight, to be like a woohoo, man, it's awesome. Too many so-called Christian marriages are living according to pagan principles and practices, not paradise principles. Some of you, in verse 19, it says, Now, out of the ground the Lord God had formed all the beasts of the field, birds of the heaven, brought them to the man so he would see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. So he's naming, you know, this, that, giraffe, etc. The man gave names to all livestock, birds of the heaven, every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found a helper fit for him. What was God doing? Adam's seeing, you know, Mama Papa Bear. He's like, oh, bear. <laughs> Mama Papa Giraffe, oh, giraffe. And all of a sudden, because he's a dude, it took him a while. He's like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. There's this yearning in my heart. So <laughs> there's not found a helper for him. Get this next point. God is the designer of sex and marriage. Yes. It's his idea, his design. It's not dirty. Write that down. It's not dirty. Your parents may have told you it was dirty or they acted like they didn't want to talk about it. And so you learned sex from weird places, you know, and school gym locker rooms from dudes that were bragging that were lying through their teeth, your cousins, whatever. All the sexual parts, his idea. All the sexual pleasure, his idea. Amen? And, and if it was for just now, now I was taught by my mama that sex is just for procreation, just for having kids. It could have been a lot easier if that was the case. I mean, if you can get COVID by shaking hands, why can't you get, you know, pregnant by shaking hands? God could have done that, right? Although a lot of you would have been keeping that six-foot rule a lot more than you were. <laughs> no, God, it's all God's design, man. It's all God's design. So, again, delight. The marriage I was meant to have. My marriage was designed as a partnership. A partnership. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but history begins with a wedding here in the Garden of Eden. God brings Adam and Eve together. Jesus' first miracle was at the wedding at Cana. And Revelation, the end book in the Bible, closes with the wedding of, of Jesus and the church. But here, some of you have a problem with this, if you've known your Bible it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And some of you, if you're honest, you'd go, John, I don't like that verse. I don't like that verse. Typically, you're a woman. I don't like that verse. I'm not just some add-on helper, some little helper, the little woman. That is not what I'm at. That's because you don't know your Bible, girl. You don't know your Bible. You know who else is called a helper in the Word of God at two different junctures? Helper. The Lord Jehovah. Jeho. You get the picture. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit of God. 
They're not second class. Amen? Not second class. No. <clears throat> helpers, helpers, and amazing things. Ladies, this is not inferiority. This is not inferiority. As a matter of fact, the first negative, they said, I made this, it was good. I made this, it was good. I made them, them, them trees, it was good. I made the man, very good. And then he says, it's not good. First negative in the whole creation count. What was not good? There were no women around. We were missing the ladies. Wasn't good. You ladies complete creation. You ought to, you know, have that on a note card. Because I know some of you have identity problems. You ought to put that on a note card where, wherever you do your makeup or wherever. And, and say, I complete creation. I'm not an afterthought. You want to know. As a matter of fact, talk about the sexes. You want to know who's superior? <laughs> really? You don't know? Huh? Women are superior as women. Men are superior as men. Amen? We get that straight? It fixes a whole lot of things. Now, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, first surgery, closed it up in place of, uh, with flesh. And the rib the Lord God had made, took from the man, he took him from his side, not his head to lord over him, the feet to be walked on by him, but his side to walk with him. Amen? The rib the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woe man. Because that's what Adam said when he first saw her. <laughs> Woo, man. Mm. I mean, he did. The Hebrew, it just says, he brought her to the man. In the Hebrew, it's a whole lot stronger. It's really something like this. Adam said, woo, ha, mama, woo, hallelujah, praise Jesus, come here, girl. And then he sang a 70s song. He did. It's in the Hebrew. You wouldn't get it if you weren't a scholar like me. It's from sticks. It's lady of the morning. Love shines in your eyes. Sparkling, clear, and lovely. You're my lady. Boom, boom. You know he did. (laughs) But I get pushback. John, you say I need a spouse. I don't need a spouse at all. A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. All right, girl. Or guy, write down 1 Corinthians 7. There is a gift of singleness. A gift of singleness that God gives. Because God said it's not good for man to live alone. And so the, 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 normal, the normative part of his creation was male, female, together, one life, boom, marriage. That's the, because there's a need, there's a need, there's a need. But there are some people who he gives the gift. It's a gift, not a curse. It's a gift of singleness too. And, and those people are like, look at 1 Corinthians 7. They're like, okay, I want to give my whole time. Because if I'm married, you know, I need to, I, my, my attention's divided. But I can give my whole time to serving God. And so I believe I have the gift of singleness. I don't need a mate. That's a gift. I don't have it. Most of you don't have it. Some of you do. All right, so you maybe have that. Maybe you're the flip side. John, I don't have a spouse, but I want one desperately. I need a woman. I need a man. I feel exactly like Adam did without a mate. What do I do? Write down 1 Corinthians 7. Your answer's there too. little homework for you. Don't have time to go into it. Real quick and we're done. And we're only at this point in time on the clock because the first preacher preached long. My marriage is the laboratory and playground for unashamed intimacy. The laboratory and the playground 
for unashamed intimacy. John, you've gone too far. Oh, come on, you know me. We ain't even close yet. Then the man said, this is the last bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Woo-hoo! Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Some of you need to get that and do it. And hold, <laughs> hold fast to his wife. Leave mama, daddy. Hold fast to your wife. In other words, you're making a new family. And they shall become one flesh. That is a nice way of saying they shall have whoopee. That's what it means. That's what it means. It's a euphemism in the Hebrew that means they shall have sex. Become one flesh means they shall have sex. God knew what he was doing. God said, hey, Adam, I'm bringing you Eve. I've done it all. I've created it all. You guys go have fun. And you got the weekend. Remember? My brother had a mentor when he was getting married, and this guy was trying to help him, you know, up in Illinois, uh, you know, to know what to do in marriage and different things and how to, you know, relate to his wife. And, and so, but the dude was always talking about sex, Danny said. It was a little uncomfortable. The dude's like 50, and my brother is like 20-something. He's like, man, it's just, you know, and he said, I was over at his house. We were drinking coffee, and then we were, you know, walking down the hallway, and he went by the bedroom door, and I knew it was his master bedroom door, and he said, Danny, do you know what this door leads to? And I said, yes, yes, your bedroom, you know, master bedroom. He goes, no, it's the playpen. <laughs> and my brother said, ew, <laughs> ew, ew. But it was, right? <clears throat> now, don't go around saying that. Or don't put that on your door at home. <laughs> Some of you, your kids will puke. <laughs> but man and woman in marriage equals sex, very good. Somebody needs to say, very good. Very good. Our culture has been chasing the fruit of the wrong tree. It has. Made sex a bad thing. Write this down. This is, this is good for you. Sex was made to have families. Sex was made to have fun. And it was. It was. God made it to have fun. Within marriage. One man to one woman. Verse 25 I love this. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You know what most of you have in your life? Your sex equals shame. Because you are living on the pagan principles outside the garden. God says, no. Sex does not equal shame. If you're living on the principles of paradise. Some of you need to repent of this. And every time you have it, every time you do it, you feel a little bit of shame. Or maybe a lot of shame. The man and his wife, that's not how God intended it. The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. An amazing gift from God. We think of things like salvation, heaven, and they are. But another gift of God is unashamed sex. It's an amazing thing that some of you have never experienced. And some of you are haunted from your pasts because you've been picking the wrong fruit. How I get back to paradise? Real quick. John 10. Oop, hit the wrong button. This is hard for an uncoordinated guy to preach, click, and talk. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and they might have it, what, 
abundantly. So Jesus wants you to have the paradise life, even though it's outside of the location of paradise. How do I get that? If we, we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So He says, hey, I want to cleanse you. I want to have a right relationship with you. The wages of sin is death. We talked about that. But the free gift of God right there is what? Eternal life. How do I get it? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of you don't have Christ. You got religion, you got whatever, you got church membership, you got baptism. Maybe you don't have Jesus. Others of you, you have Jesus, but you've been living pagan principles in your marriage, in your identity. Why don't you come to Jesus and start living his paradise principles outside of the garden walls? Because when you start walking with Jesus, it becomes paradise. Amen? God, I pray that you would do your amazing, amazing work. And Lord, fix us even outside of the walls of paradise, we can live your paradise principles and receive your blessings. Lord, I pray you'd do that for us. In this room, Lord, are some folks that have some shame because of whatever, sex or sin or whatever. I pray that right now they'd say, just tell you, Lord, I'm going to get it fixed. I'm going to get it fixed. I'm going to do it your way. Whatever it is, Lead me and guide me. I want the blessings of paradise, even in this messed up world. Thank you so much for doing that. Some of you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. You've never trusted Him, or you don't know that you've trusted Him. And so right where you're at, you're just like, well, John, I don't know how, you know, how, do I, how can I get to heaven? Not by your own works, but by His shed blood. And if you mean it, you can, you, you can say, okay, well, what, how do I get the gift of eternal life? You ask Him for it, just like any gift. You reach out and ask Him for it by faith. What do I have to do? You don't have to do anything. He did it all. You just receive it by faith. Just say something like this, from the quietness of your heart to the quietness of His. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Tell Him that. And I know you're God. I know you came down to this world lived a perfect life, tell him that, died on that cross for my sins, went to that grave for three days because of my sins, tell him that, and then you were resurrected over the grave and over my sins, and you purchased for me salvation, forgiveness, heaven, tell him that. And I'm asking you right now to give it to me. Purchased by your blood. Nothing I can do for it. But ask for it. And I'm asking right now. Tell him that. Come into my heart. Save my soul. Make me yours. Your purchased possession. Help me to live like I am owned by you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.